Little honeybees flying around, little green peas from the ground, buttermilk biscuits nice and brown. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table, butter beans, peas, beets, and chard. Chickens running in the yard, catfish frying in that lard. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Cast on skillets, good and hot. Watch it steam and crack and pop. Cornbread bacon in that stove. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Pick them maters, good and ripe. Drop in black gang candy stripes. Look at 'em loading down those vines. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Welcome to the Tennessee Farm Table, a show that is dedicated to the people of our Appalachian region who produce, prepare, and preserve our local foods and agricultural products. This is your hostess, Amy Campbell. Our theme song was sung, arranged, and produced by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine in Madisonville, Tennessee, and we are so proud of this 14-year-old Tennessee talent. This morning, we are setting the table with an old-time Appalachian tradition, saving seeds. In particular, bean seeds. Seed saver Ben Cohen has written a brand new book entitled, From Our Seeds and Their Keepers, A Collection of Stories, with a foreword written by seed saver Bill Best. I'm going to share a story of a bean that Ben has saved and returned to the Cades Cove Preservation Association in Blount County, Tennessee, that was originally from Kermit Colrin, one of the last people to live in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. I've got a soup bean recipe to share that might rival your mammals. Fred Saussman tells a tale of all sorts of different beans and varieties and uses, which also includes a story of the saving of the noble bean by Bill Best, the seed saver from Berea, Kentucky. Thank you so much for tuning in today. It is a real privilege to have your good company. Now let's get started. Let's first join Ben Cohen, a recording we made here in my home in the late summer of 2017, and hear in his words how he found a bean seed that originally came from Cades Cove, Tennessee, from the hands of Kermit Colvin, how it traveled to Ohio, and how Ben and Heather Cohen brought it back to be grown again in Blount County, Tennessee soil, where it originally came from. This seed is now preserved at the Cades Cove Preservation Association, located in Blount County, Tennessee. More about Cades Cove Preservation Association a little later in the show. Now, Ben, can you tell us about this bean, the history of it? Oh my gosh. Okay, sure. <laughs> it's such an exciting story. I get excited every time I tell it. So the, the, the bean, you know, and I'm the one that's dubbed it the name uh, Kermit Smoky Mountain Pole Bean. It's the name that we gave to this bean. I was in Berkeley, Michigan, which is a little town uh, just outside of Detroit, Detroit, Michigan. And I was there to give a uh, talk on seed saving uh, for the Song and Spirit Institute for Peace, which is run by some Franciscan monks. 
and they had me come to give a talk for their community about why they should save seeds in their community garden. And afterwards, like people like to do, um, a couple came up to the table and said, oh, you know, we, we really enjoyed your presentation, you know, saving, saving seeds and how that, that saves history. You know, they're really, really in tune to that. They said, we've got a story to tell you about this bean. So, well, you know, I like a good story, so let's hear it. Um, so 25 years ago, they were down in, that well down here, um, down in Cades Cove. For their, they'd gotten married, and they come down here for their honeymoon. And they were at Cades Cove, and they were riding their bikes around the loop and having a good old time. And they, uh, they came across the place, you know, some of the older buildings you know, like they have down there. And they'd gotten off their bikes, and they were walking around and enjoying it and, and giving themselves a little tour. And a, a gentleman, an older gentleman, popped out from behind the bar and said, well, what are you guys doing here? This is my home. I live here. Oh, you know, we didn't realize, you know, this place looks so old, we thought it was a museum. He said, oh, no, but he gave him a tour. His name's Kermit. This was Kermit. So then Kermit gave him a tour, and like any good gardener does, he wants to share stuff from his garden. She goes, oh, take some zucchinis, you know, uh, have some corn, take some beans. Loaded up the baskets on their bikes and sent them on their way. And they're riding back to the hotel. They say, what a, what a story, what, a, what an experience that was. You know, I can't wait till we get home and tell everybody about this. And they're at the hotel, and they're eating the corn and eating the beans. And Well, the guy's a gardener, and he says, wait I wonder if I could save some of the seeds from these beans and bring them back up to Michigan and grow them in my garden. Now, then I'd have a story to tell everybody. So he brings those back up to Berkeley, Michigan and plants them in his garden. Sure enough, they grew. Well, now he's got a story. People come out to his house. He could take them on a tour of the place. You know, and these are the beans I got on my honeymoon. How romantic, right? And uh, so the story tells me. He said, hey, look at these beans. I still got them. I've been growing them for 25 years. Would you like to take some of the beans home with you, he says. Of course I would. So I load up the beans in my van, and I'm driving home, and I'm so excited, you know, like, what a what a great story, you know, this great bean, beautiful bean, too. Um, can't wait to tell somebody about it. Well, then I get on the internet. You know, this guy's name was Kermit, down in Cades Cove, Tennessee. I thought, well, this is interesting. So I get on the internet, and boy, the story that came out after that. So Kermit was one of the last folks to have ever lived in Smoky Mountains National Park. Right. Well, um, yeah. When when FDR made the national parks, the way it kind of went was they would they'd create the border of the park, and if you lived within the area, you know you had to move. Um, and Kermit's family lived there for five generations. Kermit's kids were born there. Kermit was born there. Kermit's parents were born there. Five generations back, they lived in Cades Cove, um, growing this bean. Turns out, looking on the internet uh, here in Maryville, there's a museum. It's the Cades Cove Preservation Society about all things Cades Cove. So I called them up, and I said. Got this interesting bean story. You guys want to hear my bean story? Well, first the guy says, "Who is this?" You know, and I tell him the story, and he's as excited as I am. Finally, somebody's excited about seeds as I am. Um, <laughs> so that's why I'm here today. We we came down here this weekend, and we, we brought the seeds with us, um, and we put we donated them to the museum. They have a whole display all about Kermit, pictures of his life, and th- he was a beekeeper, so they have some of his beekeeping equipment there. And they have now they have the beans, the Kermit Smoky Mountain Pole beans, in the museum. The Kermit's family grew in Cades Cove, Tennessee, for five generations. Are they gonna continue to grow them? They sure are. So I've got some older seed that I gave to them for the display, uh, but we got some fresh seed. I, I shared some seeds with some fellow gardeners, and they were able to grow them out. Um, so we've got some fresh seed that we gave to them, and I helped them plot out a good sunny spot there so they can continue to grow those beans so everybody can come and see it. And then that way, it's like a living museum. That's you fantastic. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about it. And we've been able to trace them back even further, you know. Um, it was the Cherokee natives that lived, lived in the area yes. originally. Um, and they have a bean that looks strikingly similar to this one that they call wampum. And the likelihood is very good that this seed itself actually was given to Kermit's family by the natives when they first came here. So to be able to bring this seed back to its home, back into the mountains where it belongs, 
what an honor for me to even be such a small part of that story. What good work. It just preserves not just the bean, but so much else. It's, yeah. it's, it's an amazing thing. And to take the, to the bean to the museum and to see the excitement and the, the, the eyes just light up and the people get to see it, you know. Um, we all pose for pictures with it and everything. And, yeah. um, and they, were, they were just as excited as I was because they understand the significance of that. Now, the guy who would collect the bean from Kermit, for him, it was just a fun story. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just a neat thing. But the significance of saving his seed is so important. Every time you save your seeds, it's that important. Um, so I called them up and I told them what I was doing with the beans that I'd gotten from them. And they were so excited too, you know. They didn't realize, they didn't know about Kermit's history or the Cades Cove Museum or any of that. They weren't aware. So I told them all about it. And, um, I told you know, I tell this story. I travel all over to tell people about saving seeds and why they should. And this is the greatest example, you know. I so that. I even got to tell that family, uh, Kathy and Bruce was their name, that, you know, we've inspired hundreds of people to save their seeds from this story, you know. That's just good. It sure That's is. That's just all, nothing bad about it. In this hurting world of trouble, thank goodness for something good. It makes people happy. It shares stories. It helps preserve pure DNA strands or foodstuffs that we need. Mm-hmm. And food security issues. I mean, it really helps with everything. In so many ways. And the taste. Usually the taste of heirlooms taste better. For that alone, a lot of times people will save and share. Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. Now, you know, your modern hybrids, the vegetables they're growing nowadays, they're not growing them for flavor. That's for sure. Yeah, transport. Um, transportation, storability, things like that. So mm-hmm. these older varieties, I mean, sometimes, you know, especially those heirloom tomatoes, they don't hold up so well. <laughs> but you don't eat them too because you're going to eat them right away anyways. Yeah, yeah. If we're, if we're lucky enough, right, get them before those birds get them. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so the bean itself, what's it look like and what's it taste like? Well, you know, um, I haven't eaten any of them yet. Okay. Uh, we only had a very small amount, um, yeah. so I haven't had them. But the family that I got them from, Kathy and Bruce, they've grown them every year. They love them. Um, and not only is it a great, you know, uh, as a fresh green bean, but mm-hmm. even as a dry soup bean, it works. Um, it's a beautiful tan bean with uh, dark brown stripes on it. Mm-hmm. Um, Kermit had told them that, he, you know, his mother would grow them when he was a little boy. They always called them the stripy beans. He always wanted to know if they are going to have the stripy beans with dinner. Um, so it is a pretty little bean. Um, but... Tall pole bean is what it is, you know, and it's a very tall pole bean. This thing will grow as tall as you give it room for. Um, you know, I had the ones that... And you are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table. You've just heard a story from Ben Cohen, who is a seed saver and story saver of old-time heirloom seeds. He has a brand new book entitled From Our Seeds and Their Keepers, a collection of stories with a foreword written by seed saver Bill Best of Berea, Kentucky. More information about the work of Ben and Heather Cohen, the book, and upcoming events where you might meet the Cohen family in person, smallhousefarm.com. And as always, I have all the links and information for all of my guests that are mentioned on every show and my upcoming soup bean recipe at TennesseeFarmTable.com under that link that says listen to the show. In a word about Cades Cove Preservation Association. Back when the Great Smoky Mountains National Park was created in the year of 1934, the families who lived within the boundaries of the park were ordered eventually to move out of the park while being allowed to live out their days on their homesteads. There was once a thriving community within the park boundary called Cades Cove, and its people were displaced. 
and this place was the home of Kermit Collarin and his wife, Lois Schuler Collarin. The stories, artifacts, pictures, and history of these people are in a museum called the Cades Cove Preservation Association, and this is the place that Ben Cohen referenced in the previous story. Kermit Collarin was the fifth generation of his family that lived in Cades Cove. Kermit Collarin's beekeeping items, pictures, and his Kermit bean are now housed in this collection, which is in a historic cabin in Blount County, Tennessee. You may have seen this place while visiting the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. This historic museum is located on the right as you leave the town of Maryville while headed to Townsend on the way to the National Park. It's right across from the hospital off the four lane 321, and it sits next door to the Blount County Historic Museum. The Collins were the last family to live in the park until Kermit's death in 1999, and information and links to the Cades Cove Preservation Association, including pictures of Kermit and his wife Lois, are all on my website. Up next is our friend Fred Sossman from Johnson City, Tennessee, with a segment about old-time Appalachian beans and seed saver Bill Best. Support for the Tennessee Farm Table is brought to you in part by Century Harvest Farms and Century Harvest Farms Foundation in Greenback, Tennessee. A sustainable farm in East Tennessee producing 100% grass-fed beef and other wholesome farm products. Preservative-free grass-fed charcuterie, preserves, pickles, and jams. Also home to the community-serving, food-insecurity-fighting Century Harvest Farms Foundation. Details at CenturyHarvest.com Kentucky Wonders, Half Runners, Turkey Craws, Greasy Cut Shorts. Just the terms themselves conjure summertime memories. Green beans are among the land's most precious gifts this time of year. If you've ever broken a bean, you'll never forget the snap and then the ping that you hear when you toss it into an enamel pan. Green beans snap and ping are two of summer's most unforgettable sounds. I've heard people talk of breaking beans all my life. My parents broke them, they tell me, the day before I was born. The breaking always brought forth speculation on how weather affected the thickness of the bean strings and talk of long-forgotten varieties, like the Myers family bean of Greene County, Tennessee. Never trust a stringless bean, I was always told. There's a rhythm to the breaking of the beans and a ritual of fan-swept front porches, antique pans, scallop-shaped metal chairs, and newspapers in laps. In the 1930s, when my grandmother heard the engine of the produce truck echoing off the pavement of Carson Street in Greenville, Tennessee, She'd grab a pan and head to the house of the buyer to offer her services as volunteer bean breaker. No compensation or trade for labor required. Green beans brought out the best in folks. They still do. My father always said the more green beans you gave away, the better your plants produced. 
My friend Bill Best, a North Carolinian who now lives in Berea, Kentucky, knows more about green beans than anyone I've ever met. Bill's a seed saver, preserving what we've come to call heirloom varieties. He told me once about a noble bean, probably named for a family, but also, I'd like to think, for its character. This bean once traveled from West Virginia to Oregon. The great-granddaughter of the man who brought the bean to the Northwest sent Bill some seeds that were not germinating. They'd been in a container for about 20 years. Meticulously, Bill Best coaxed six seeds out of 100 to germinate. All of them died but one. From that one plant, he saved 11 seeds. If he's lucky, he says, he's helped bring this bean back from extinction. Green beans are as resilient as the mountain people who cherish them. Archaeologists tell us that green beans have been growing in the Appalachians for at least 1,400 years. These were cut-short varieties, with beans so closely packed that they square off on the ends. Cut shorts were highly prized by native peoples because of their high protein content. They're still prized today. So are greasy beans. In fact, Bill Davidson, owner of Davidson's Country Store and Farm near Rogersville, Tennessee, calls them the green bean connoisseur's green bean. And they're named not for taste and texture, but rather for their slick, oily-looking appearance. As green beans go, they're finicky. If the temperature reaches 70 degrees at night and stays there for a while, they can abort their blooms. No matter the variety, in the kitchen, green beans adapt well to the speed of the pressure cooker or the slower pace of the Dutch oven, to the opulence of fat back or the prudence of olive oil. They freeze, they can, they pickle. And for those unbroken, they dry and rattle, threaded onto a piece of string as leather breeches, their richness to be reconstituted in water long after the growing season has ended. Those backyard under the maple trees bean-breaking sessions attracted neighbors, grandparents, and cousins, brought together by the immediate promise of green beans and new potatoes right off the stove, as well as the hope of a warm-weather meal and memory come winter. For the Tennessee Farm Table, I'm Fred Saussman. All right, now here is a soup bean recipe of mine. It is simple, easy on the wallet, and will help to fill you up with some good protein. I've been told in the past by a bona fide mama's boy that these were better than his mama's. You can't go wrong with these in a big pot of greens, cornbread, some onions, and chow chow on the side. I'm sure there are better recipes out there, and I'd love it if you'd share them with me. So here's the recipe. Amy Campbell's Soup Bean Recipe. If you can't write this down, I have it posted on my website. And you're going to need a large stock pot for this recipe. Now, this recipe is better if you make it a day ahead of time and refrigerate the beans overnight. It really lets all the flavors sort of 
blend and come to life if you give it some time. Here are the ingredients. One pound of dried beans, three tablespoons olive oil, one onion chopped, one bay leaf, three to four cloves of garlic minced, one teaspoon fresh ground pepper, one half teaspoon red pepper flakes, one teaspoon ground dried thyme, one teaspoon ground dried sage, one tablespoon vinegar. I like to use apple cider vinegar. One teaspoon sugar. One tablespoon of salt. And be sure don't add the salt until the very end of cooking. And omit the salt if you're going to use a ham bone. Three quarts low sodium chicken or vegetable broth. And optional to this recipe but mandatory in this house is a ham bone with some meat on it. And I like to get the ones from the Honey Baked Ham Store. They're really inexpensive and they've got a lot of meat left on them. Here are the directions. Preparing the beans. Clean the beans in cold water in a colander and pick out all the rocks or broken beans. And then you fill your pot with at least three quarts of water and you want two inches of headspace of water over the beans. If any of the beans float, remove all of them and don't use those. Soak them overnight, and the next morning you drain them and rinse them again. If you don't have time to soak them overnight, follow the quick cook method on the bean package. And here's how you cook the beans. In your big stock pot on medium heat, brown your onion in the olive oil and the bay leaf in all of the spices. When the bottom of the pot and the onions begin to brown, add the broth. Then bring this to a boil. At this point, you want to add your ham bone. Let all that boil for at least a minute or two. Then add the vinegar and sugar. Then add your prepared beans and bring that to a boil. Right after the beans come to a boil, turn down the heat and simmer on low for at least two hours. I actually like to simmer them for at least four hours on low. And here are a couple of things I've learned the hard way. Don't let the beans boil like crazy on the stove because they just fall apart and turn to mush. And so try to avoid that. And this recipe will feed 10 to 20 depending on their serving sizes and how many people come back for seconds. Hey, this is Daniel Kimbrough and you're listening to the Tennessee Farm Table. In addition to the Tennessee Farm Table show as a podcast, the program is also a radio show, which is broadcast every Saturday morning from 9 to 9.30 a.m. on the radio waves from the WDVX Knoxville studio in downtown Knoxville, Tennessee. WDVX is a non-commercial, listener-supported radio station and does not receive any support from universities or national public radio. Support for WDVX Radio comes from homegrown listeners like yourselves, volunteers, and businesses who believe in the mission of WDVX. WDVX delivers a hearty helping of variety programming for the whole community 24-7 for over 20 years now. Details at WDVX.com. And 
now it's time for the gospel portion of our radio broadcast. We like to call this our daily bread. And here's a beautiful gospel number written and performed by a couple that lives right here in Blount County, Tennessee, the same county where Kermit Corrin's bean thrived. It's Jeff Barbara and Sarah Perkle from their CD, Family Singing. Here's the title track. Never got to sing with my papa here on earth, but they say that he loved to play on Sunday in church. I was just too young when the Lord called him away, but I know we'll finally get to pick together someday. It's gonna be a family singing Like nothing in this life I can't wait to hear him do I saw the light Tune up that guitar And get ready for your little man Cause it's gonna be a family singing With the angel band Sunday morning There's a little church Where I go It's filled with new family And it's led by the Holy Ghost We all get together And praise our Lord in song We're all gonna meet in heaven Before too long and it's gonna be a family singing Can't you hear that harmony? All the saints are shouting For the man from Galilee This train's a-leaving And it's headed to the promised land Takes to the family singing To the angel band yeah, we're headed to the family singing with the angel band. Oh, the family singing. Thank you so much for joining us here today at the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. It has been an honor to have your good company. We always love to hear from you on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or through the website, TennesseeFarmTable.com. I'd sure love to hear from you and swap some recipes and stories. 
Big thanks to Emmy Sunshine of Madisonville, Tennessee for the musical arrangement and singing and recording of our theme song. For updated appearances, schedule, news, and her new recording, connect with Emmy Sunshine at TheEmmySunshine.com. We hope you have a good week and keep on digging. This has been a Campbell Creative Incorporated production.